0: Hello everybody and welcome to the five red lights podcast. On Sunday, the five red lights went out on the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone. Let's get into this. Max Verstappen won the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone for Red Bull, beating the two Mercedes. Mercedes struggled having started on the front row. They blistered their tires and they were punished for it. Valtteri Bottas came home an unhappy third place after being beaten by his teammate Lewis Hamilton. What is causing Sebastian Vettel's spins Daniel Ricciardo might have an idea having suffered a Seb spin himself what's happening with Williams they seem to be qualifying really well but then dropping off in the race should Pirelli be this aggressive with their tires and what's gonna happen in Spain is it gonna be just as hot and can Red Bull challenge the Mercedes again Okay, the five red lights went out and the heat went up. So Mercedes started on the front row, their, uh, their advantage in qualifying remaining absolutely gargantuan. Um, what a performance from Max Verstappen, though. It started on the Saturday afternoon, of course, um, choosing the hard tyre compound to qualify on, which we're going to get onto this a little bit later. Pirelli dropped the softness of the the tyre compounds by a step for the second race at silverstone um they weren't able to do that for austria because it was a little bit too tight on the timings but silverstone was just far enough in advance for them to be able to ship out uh, a softer set of tyres for everybody so last week so this the, the 17th anniversary race had the uh, the hard tyre as the, what was the medium tyre the week before. So Verstappen thought, okay, everyone qualified on that last week. We might as well do that this week. And they had the pace to go through on it. It strikes me as strange that Mercedes wouldn't do that either because they've got such an advantage in terms of raw speed. They, they almost cornered themselves by starting on the, uh, the mediums because that was the week before soft tire and no one had used that really in the race um they'd started on that week's mediums so for them not to to start on the on the hard tire was a little bit odd that i think the perfect strategy would have been hard hard medium because obviously then you're using the, the medium when the car is at its optimal lightest for the for the uh, for the race setup But Red Bull pulled that off and they actually went to the mediums in the middle. Once they had the confidence of track position, they went 26 laps with Verstappen on um, those hard tyres, which they qualified on and really snookered Mercedes. Mercedes' answer to this was to leave Lewis out as long as possible, having brought Valtteri in uh, on the same lap as um, Verstappen did for his second stop. So Verstappen pitted on lap 26 after Bottas pitted on lap 14 and then they both pitted on uh, lap 32 which gave 20 laps to the end on the hard tyres and then Hamilton pitted uh, around eight laps later. Could Mercedes have done the one stop to almost call Red Bull's bluff? Probably not. Even Lewis being as excellent as he has become on tyres over the last few years wouldn't have been able to do it the tires were just taking too much punishment through the heat and the energy that they're being put under through the corners and that is the crux of the problem that mercedes had for me anyway the fact that they create their car creates so much downforce and they had a higher downforce setup on the car it punished the tires almost unnecessarily they could have stripped the wing off and had a little bit less time on the streets. They, they wouldn't have compromised their, their grid slots because they were a second clear of um, everything else. So they'd have still started one and two. They'd have looked after their tyres better in the race. And obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. but the the boffins that, the, that are employed by Mercedes should have seen this coming because the tyre failures from the week before were, were a sign. So they should have eased off the downforce and then, I hope, and in theory, been able to look after their tyres a little bit more by just putting less energy through them. And that's how Charles Leclerc managed to pull off his fourth place, really, mastering that low downforce setup, hanging on through the corners and being just quick enough down the straights for that Ferrari to, to uh, be not as vulnerable as it has been because of its lack of engine power now so if mercedes had gone that that route i think they'd have given themselves a much better chance of victory i'm not saying that they would have been able to win because max drove brilliantly his speed was just incredible on those older hard tires and it it does show you that he is the next the next big thing formula one and whether he achieves his successes his major successes with red Bull, and by major successes i'm talking world championships or if he moves to another team that's kind of beside the point what he's doing at red bull now is it's almost putting together a portfolio because at some point red bull are going to have a car capable of winning the world championship it might already be now but i don't think so i think it's a very specific set of circumstances that sort of unlocks the the gap to mercedes to be closed and for them to be beaten because otherwise they've got everything pretty much locked down um, in terms of speed in a straight line speed through the corners balance looking after tires execution of a race Generally, they're pretty well set. Um, can Verstappen challenge them for the championship? It's going to be tough, I think. Very tough. But he can certainly pinch a few wins here and there. That, that much is for certain. And what has impressed me most is the fact that he's got this extra capacity to be taking, almost taking the mickey out of his engineers while he's in the car. So in the British Grand Prix, he, he was all on his own. So he, he was just pacing himself really. So he had that extra capacity, which was obvious to uh, inquire whether the team had remembered to hydrate, remember to drink. Um, and obviously we hear, we hear that the engineers instructing the, the drivers themselves to remember to drink, even though the water is allowed to almost get to boiling temperature inside the car. Which, which can't be any fun, drinking that pure hot water when you're working that hard in the car. But then he, he comes across the, the line on, to begin the final lap and the, the, the radio message comes out and he just puts a smile on your face that someone has got that extra capacity to bring that, that, um, that humour into the equation while he's <laughs> racing round on these tyres that are basically melting and he's still winning the race it was fantastic it was a really really good performance from him maybe his best win but obviously he's had some very very good drives before um, that have got in victory some that haven't got in victory but definitely up there in his top 3 I'd say it's only his ninth win so just limit, limit it to top 3 definitely it's in there but a fantastic victory. But so moving away from the fronts of the field, Sebastian Vettel continued with his struggles, uh, only finishing in twelfth. And it's not a very happy set at the moment. He is a little bit adrift with that car. Whether it's the whole contract situation and he's lacking motivation or the fact that the car just isn't giving him the confidence. It's probably a complete blend of both, but to isolate it as just one or the other is probably wider than Mark. And obviously he's had these strange spins uh, over the last few seasons. Um, As Daniel Ricciardo actually had one of his own. So this actually gives us a really good opportunity to see if there's any similarities and if you if you've seen what ricardo said he said about the aero wash uh coming from uh the the car that you're just sort of behind and alongside and it upsets the balance especially when you try and get on the power quickly so Ricardo's spin was almost a carbon copy of most of those that we've seen with vettel and it really does hammer home that it might not be completely seb's fault it could just be that the the aero philosophies that these cars run in with the wide front wings and the large floors the outwash of the of the aero from the tires and the front wings it just causes turbulence in places where almost they don't expect it obviously there's the turbulence when a car is following another through fast corners and that has always been a problem but to see cars sort of just spinning out of traction zones when they're side by side, it might be that the car suffers like a an aerodynamic stall as it comes through the wake, the side wake of the car, uh, through partial, that partial air, air, air wash, and it causes the rear tyres just to spin up and, and they lose the car. Um, and they're they're all fairly low speed as well so where that downforce is most critical for traction the stall then takes it away and the tires just take no purchase if you look at Vettel's um spins so you had obviously had his, his own mistake at Hockenheim in 2018 um, but that was correcting a locking rear axle so you look at the one at Monza low speed corner although there was some contact with hamilton so um you know maybe the car was unsettled because of that but still side by side usa 2018 battling with daniel ricardo as well spun it uh, on the inside um into sector three and bahrain in 2019 it's a medium speed corner that the, the, the right hander at turn four but still you need that downforce um on the on the corner exit and obviously he he just pirouetted um so the fact that daniel has suffered a similar spin which he called a seb spin uh, which i'm not sure sebastian would be too happy about um and then described it in that way opens our eyes to how seb must be feeling and it could just be that the ferrari car is very susceptible to it Uh, And their philosophy has just allowed that to happen. But the fact that it's now happened to someone else indicates that it could just happen to anybody. Um, But we'll have to wait and see. It it could just be, it could all be a a driver error. It could just all be driver error. Um, But it it could be down to the the, uh, the aero wash around the cars. We'll have to see if uh, anyone else suffers a similar problem and um, see what they make of it, really. All right, moving from the front of the grid to mostly the back of it. Um, Williams, they have made great improvements this year and it's actually really good to see because they've got a couple of really talented drivers there. George Russell is a potential star of the future and Nicholas Latifi, I'm not sure he's got quite as much talent uh, potentially as George Russell, but he's definitely the sort of driver who, if you put in a, in a good car, will do a very solid job. He'll bring you points and consistency because he's just getting a handle on that car and he's he's beginning to match George. So they're getting into Q2. They've got George into Q2 in the last four races. And Russell has actually qualified as high as P12 in the dry so far, which has been excellent. But then they've just fallen away in the race um it's slightly baffling to to look at it and they have admitted that the car is more set up for qualifying it gets more out of itself during one lap than it does over an extended stint but still they they can they can tune that car slightly more towards race trim but i think you have to take into consideration as well the fact that they've got the mercedes power unit and the party mode uh, engine setting allows them a little bit more power through a single lap, uh, especially over their, their, their rivals, which their direct competition are Haas and Alfa Romeo, and they are both running Ferrari power units, which have been significantly handicapped uh, this year, I think, given that, that, that confidential and controversial settlement that ferrari came to with the fia so perhaps williams are making a, a real a real feast on saturdays and getting themselves high up the grid and they're just not fast enough to hold on to it and that, that is it in a nutshell but it's progress and i think they won't they won't be worrying so much about it, because I think just being closer to the back of the rest of the field was a start. And the fact that they're now jumping ahead of some of those in qualifying and finishing ahead of some of them in, in races is is enough for, for them to start with it. It's a step back in the right direction. It shows that there is, there is still talent there, they're still de- able to develop a nice car. And because they've gone out for, uh, for sale or for major investment, it could just tempt a few people with, with some big money to say, you know what, all they need is a little bit more injection of cash and they can really push this car to the next level. Whereas before it was, if you're buying that team, it could be a complete mess and it could take several seasons to fix it. But they're going in the right direction now, which is great to see. And they're putting George and Nicholas into a position where they can really show their talent, even if it's only over one lap. But that that single lap speed is very important, especially when you get to uh, the top team. So if you look at George Russell, he's on the books of Mercedes. He wants that Mercedes seat. If he can showcase that he's got that blistering one lap speed to put himself in a good position on the grid, that could be the difference between starting on the front row and starting on the fifth row, on the third row, in fifth place. And and a good comparison there would be Max Verstappen and Alex Albon. Max has got that speed over one lap, and he's got the speed over a race distance. We haven't seen George's race distance speed yet, really because the Williams does handicap him slightly in, in a race trim. But then you look at Alex Albon compared to uh, Max Verstappen, and Alex is no slouch, but he's consistently about three-tenths, four-tenths, half a second minimum off of Max. Sometimes it is uh, quite a lot more, which I think is unfair on Alex, but it paints that picture. So being able to qualify with that lap will open people's eyes. And this isn't just for George Russell. It's just it's for Nicholas Latifi as well. It'll say to other teams, OK, if we can get a hold of that driver, they're going to be able to qualify it well if the car is good and put them in a position to bring home good points or in George Russell's case, if he wants the Mercedes seat, bring him uh, race wins. So good to see Williams giving these drivers a chance with a good car now. Hopefully they can push on and improve that car for race trim. And unfortunately, they didn't bring home any points this weekend after I tipped them last week to to do so. Um, But it it does show that they're, they're making strides in the right direction and they're making the right gains. So the big talking point from the weekend was the fact that the tyres were a step softer. Um, They had the C2, C3 and C4 range after having the C1, C2 and C3 for the British Grand Prix seven days previously. Um, It made for exciting racing and on the social media pages, it's been, this is a very simple solution to our problems but this is a this is a situation that's come about so that the fact that we've got the harder tires that then lead to the one-stop races is a situation that came about because we had the softer tires to begin with and if you look at the last few singapore grand Prix, i think it was the 2018 race hamilton was on pole and they had the I think it was the hyper soft tires and they were running around For about 15, 20 laps. And this is the front six. Sort of nose to tail within about a second, a second and a half of each other. And they're all running 10 seconds slower than they they were. I think maybe can't remember if it was from the qualifying pace or than you know than they were really capable of in race trim. 10 seconds. And Max Verstappen said when he was asked to to pull back from the Mercedes. Uh, on Sunday he said no I'm not driving like a grandma and if they have these softer tires the drivers will just be forced to 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 do that to make these stint lengths you know actually viable obviously the FIA can intervene and they can do different things with the rules Um, so if they have if they commit to these softer tires they make it mandatory for two pit stops or they say they and they say you have to use each of the three specs but then the the, uh, the the tires have got to be able to work at each of the tracks. There's no point taking the softest tires available to spar because they're just not going to last. Um, it's a tricky situation, and I, I don't have the knowledge about the tires to, to thoroughly understand their, their reasons for taking a, a certain tire set to a certain track, but it does come down to the strength of the tire, the, the makeup of the tire. And obviously a harder tire is more resistant to heat buildup and it might be more resistant to to wear or, di- or different things. But certain tracks have certain characteristics that will suit certain tires. So if you look at uh, a track like Monza, you'd think, okay, well, there's not many corners there so they could take the softest tires. But the fact that the, the corners are so high speed, it means that they have to take harder tires, but then the harder tires cool down as they run down the straights. So it is a, a big conundrum for Pirelli to, to get the tire specs right. I think as well, the fact that they keep changing the tires each year on year, I think they kept the 2019 uh, range for this season, which is good because then it it builds up that consistency. So yeah, okay, the teams know what the tyres are and aren't going to do. But it means that Pirelli can look at the data year on year or race on race and think, okay, well, these tyres were maybe a little bit too hard for that track. This next track in six races has similar characteristics, okay, let's go I get a step softer and then bring those softer ones um, to to the the same race the the year after for for example. But is that the solution? It's so hard to say because they can try it and then the teams will just tell the drivers to run at X pace to do X laps, um, to execute the minimum number of stops. You go back all the way to 2011 and 2012, when Pirelli first arrived on the scene, we had some fantastic racing because the cars, okay, the cars were designed very differently, but the cars were using the tires up and they would fall off the cliff and they'd have to pit. And we were having two, three, four-stop strategies to win races. And it, it did come down to a strategy battle. It it made for good racing, even if it was, well, you, you could say it was artificial because some cars were coming through on fresher tyres while some were staying out for more laps to do less stops. Um, but that is part and parcel of the game. And it, it was very apparent during the refuelling era. So Schumacher and Ferrari executed a four-stop strategy to win uh, around Monaco, even though they didn't have quite the fastest car that weekend. So it's there. They've just got to they've got to get it in the right way, so that the teams are forced into a position where they can't tell the drivers just to back off to manage the tires. And it is, as, as Lewis Hamilton said, you need tyres that they can push hard that wear out fast, well, not fast, but quickly enough for them to have to pit after sort of 15 to 20 laps. That is sort of the, the golden nugget that they're looking for. And there's no silver bullet for this. It's partly caused by the, the turbulent air that the cars generate and then drs helps but if you want to get rid of drs you've got to fix the tires and the aero philosophy so as long as the tires are the way they are drs will be a necessary evil for some people i am quite a fan of drs i don't think you know it makes any difference whatsoever because it actually helps the show uh, whether it's too powerful or not um should Pironi be this aggressive at every race. They should definitely look to be. Um, perhaps they should bring um, a step between, maybe one of them. So have um, the soft and medium be next to each other on the range, and then the hard be uh, missing a step, and then then that's the one they bring, or some somewhere else there should be a gap so there's a real big difference between two of the compounds like a real marked difference so rather than just being a step it's two steps softer or it's two steps harder so there's there's ways around it and i think they need to show the courage to to do that and and be brave be brave with it really So that's enough looking back at last week. Let's look forward to race number three of the second triple header of the year. Obviously, we waited quite a while for racing and then three turn up all at once. We have a week off, then three more turn up all at once. It's like waiting for a bus uh, in London. We move on to this circuit uh, de Barcelona, Catalunya this weekend in sunny Spain, and it is looking very sunny. Just looking at the older weather forecast for barcelona uh friday so i'm recording this uh on the thursday before the for the race unfortunately life has got in the way this week of me getting this podcast recorded sooner so tomorrow practice day 29 degrees we're looking at uh the, for air temperature so track temperature will probably be pretty high as well saturday 30 degrees sunday 28 there's a little bit more cloud uh predicted for Sunday. Now what does this mean for the race? Let's let's hope that Red Bull can can put on some pressure again. But I think Mercedes are going to have looked at this weakness and they'll do so. I would hope that they do something about it because they can't just go blindly into this race and go, well, you know, we've got the fastest car. Hopefully, let's just hope it doesn't happen again. And they haven't won six double world championships on the trot just by going, ah, you know, that's what happens. Um, We've still got the fastest car, though. They want to be the best car in all conditions. That being said, given the heat on Saturday, uh, I'm not actually sure what tyres they're taking to Barcelona, but I'm guessing it'll be uh, similar to the first week at Silverstone. I'm going to go Hamilton for the pole position, but I think Verstappen's actually going to split them. Uh, I think Mercedes will have to compromise their their setup for qualifying. Uh, Hamilton is going to want to set the record against Bottas. He, he needs to bounce back from that pole position. Bottas edged him on that. And Hamilton wasn't happy with his lap last week. Uh, Verstappen's going to be riding a crest of a wave here. And I think Verstappen's going to put on some pressure in the race as well. With the heat, track temperatures going to go up. Long corners around Barcelona. Front left it limited again. Traction zones in, in the uh, final sector. So I'm going to plump for a Max Verstappen victory again, actually. Uh, and I think it's going to be the same top three as it was uh, this weekend. Last weekend. So I think Verstappen, Hamilton and Bottas will be your top three on Sunday. Uh, Who's to look out for? I think Racing Point are going to have a good weekend. They went well around Barcelona in uh, testing. And they're going to have Sergio Perez back in the car. I think they'll have a good showing. Perez won't get the podium, but I think he'll get a fourth place um, and just miss out on a podium. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the 70th anniversary Grand Prix and I hope you enjoy the weekend's racing ahead. I've been Aaron. This has been the 5 Red Lights podcast. Check us out on social media. Follow us uh, on Twitter, 5 underscore red underscore lights. Check out our YouTube channel. Every uh, week we do our top three performers of each race. Uh, that's 5 Red Lights on YouTube. And subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, leave us a a review and let us know what we can do better. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the racing and I'll see you next time. Bye for now.